Now, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then, a woman appeared who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over, and she was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over to him, and he said to her, Woman, you have been set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight, and she began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, kept saying to them, There are six days of the week during which work ought to be done. Come on one of those days to be cured not on the Sabbath day. Jesus said to them, You hypocrites, who among you does not untie your ox or your donkey from the manger on the Sabbath day and lead it away to find water? Ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free from her bonds on the Sabbath day? When they heard it, all of his opponents were put to shame, and the crowds went away rejoicing at all the wonderful things Jesus was doing. The Gospel of the Lord. I've been working on a new plan for our high school Sunday school classes this year, which is kind of an extension of something that we did last year. Last year, we learned around a theme called Things They Never Taught Me in High School. So we changed a tire, and we tied neckties. We talked about budgeting our money and managing our time. We tied bows for wrapping gifts, and I did my best week after week to connect all of those things they never taught me in high school to Bible stories and devotions and lessons from Scripture. This year's theme is going to be things they never taught me in Sunday school. And I hope to take some Bible stories to the next level for our young people, to talk with and teach them about the deeper, more grown-up, sometimes even R-rated meanings behind stories from Scripture that aren't always appropriate for elementary-age kids in vacation Bible school. We'll talk about David and Bathsheba differently. We'll talk about Sodom and Gomorrah and the Ethiopian eunuch, too. We'll do more with creation than they're used to, and the Tower of Babel, and David and Goliath. Different things even than most grown-ups are used to hearing about those stories. I'm kind of excited about it. I hope they are too, but we will never know, will we? (laughs) I'm going to keep it PG for worship this morning, but I want to talk about this morning's miracle differently than we're used to as well. Of course, so many people for so many generations have been drawn to the miracle of this broken woman being made well. Like so many other healing miracles, we are drawn to the magic of what Jesus does for this woman in the synagogue that day who'd been sick and crippled for so long. And that's great. That is good and holy stuff for sure. But that healing is only a small part of the story and not really the point of it in the end. 
And I believe that's the case with most, if not all, of Jesus' miracles, actually. They are less about the hocus-pocus and abracadabra of it all than they are about telling a better story, teaching a larger lesson, proclaiming a wider mercy, love, and grace, not just because of what Jesus does in those magical moments, but because of how and why and when and where and for whom, in most cases, God does what God does through Jesus. So think with me for a minute about some of the other miracles of Jesus. We can start right out of the gate with the virgin birth, for example. The most impressive thing about that, the greatest lesson for my money, isn't so much about the immaculate conception. The hope of Mary's motherhood, no matter how it came to be, is about a young woman who had faith enough to say yes to her God. The power of that story comes from the notion, too, that God would use a poor young girl to do an amazing thing for the sake of the whole wide world. It's about casting the mighty down from their thrones by way of a poor peasant girl and a helpless baby boy, and it's about uplifting the humble in heart. And think about the miracles of Jesus turning water into wine at that wedding in Cana, his first magic act. It could have been milk or honey or Pepsi or Bud Light. The substance of it didn't matter so much. The point was, the lesson to be learned, the good news to be shared, was that there's more than enough to go around and that God always saves the best for last. So I guess it couldn't have been Bud Light after all. That stuff's terrible. <laughs> or what about the miracle of the guy who was born blind but who Jesus helped see again? His friends and neighbors thought he'd been born blind because of something he or his parents had done to deserve that kind of hardship. So when Jesus restores his sight, it wasn't about the miracle of LASIK surgery in the first century. It was about showing that God doesn't punish us with sickness or different or disabilities. It was about showing that even if you believed his blindness was the result of some sin, God could and God would and God does delight in undoing that through the power of forgiveness. And that God will do and go to great lengths to restore someone back to their community. When Jesus walked on water, he wasn't proposing a new sport. He was showing us something about faith. When he calmed the storm, he wasn't concerned about the weather. He was revealing the power of God's peace in the presence of our greatest fears. When he cleansed the leper, it wasn't about better skin care. It was about God's love for the outcast and the outsider in our midst. So you see what I mean, right? As much as we love a good miracle story, the magic of it is rarely the point. In today's moment in the synagogue with this crippled, bent-over woman is no different. It's great that this woman who'd been hunched over for two, nearly two decades was 
up and at him again without the help of a chiropractor. But in light of what we know about the kind of things Jesus can do, this isn't even the most impressive thing about that day. What we're supposed to pay attention to, what matters most about all of this in the first place is that it happened on the Sabbath day, the Lord's day, the established day for rest and for worship. What I mean is it wouldn't have meant as much. This story would not have made the news had the woman done what the leader of the synagogue suggested and come back for her healing the next day. It would have been great. It would have been no less miraculous had Jesus commanded this woman to stand up for the first time in 18 years on a Tuesday. But again, the miracle, the healing, isn't really the point. So, miracle, schmiracle. Our faith cannot be just about miracles. Or else, all we're left with is the hopeless reality that we cannot do what Jesus does and that Jesus doesn't do for us what we always want him to do. So there must be something more than the miracle here. And the more, Jesus' greater point and larger purpose is to heal and to comfort and to share love and grace at all costs in excess of every expectation, at the expense of every rule, breaking the rule about working or healing or whatever on the Sabbath is Jesus' larger mission this morning and is our greatest hope this time around. The point is that the only rule that matters to Jesus is the one about loving God and loving our neighbor and living in any way and every way possible that brings that love to bear upon the world, so to hell with the rules. Literally, to hell with the rules. Let the rules and the laws and the limited expectations of those in power be banished to the outer darkness. Let those rules be subject to whatever weeping and gnashing of teeth it takes to dismember them. Which is something I can seek my own teeth into and something I can actually wrap my brain around more so than all those miracles. That's something each of us can do something about, too. Breaking the rules, I mean. The rules that keep God's love from being shared in as many ways with as many people as we can manage. Like when someone tells you you can't or shouldn't love someone because. When your own scorekeeping or rule-abiding heart tells you you shouldn't forgive someone because, or unless, or until they. When your own fear tries to convince you that you shouldn't be quite so generous. When society tells you you shouldn't extend mercy in that direction because. When your own history and experience tell you you should or shouldn't or can or can't because that's just not anything you've ever done or tried before. 
in the face of whatever rules or expectations that threaten to limit what God can accomplish by grace for you and through you, Jesus gets up in the synagogue on the Sabbath day and breaks the rules. He breaks the law so that we can see just how brave and bold and beyond reason God's love means to be and how beyond the rules we are called to be just the same. Because we can't heal every disease, but we can love one another through the sickness and the struggle and the sadness of all of them. And that's a miracle. We can't change the weather, but we can trust God's presence and we can be the presence of God for someone when the storms of this life show up. That could be magical. We can't undo every sin. We can't change every sinner, but we can accept forgiveness and we can offer forgiveness, and that is nothing to sneeze at. We can't walk on water, but we can extend a hand to an outcast or to an outsider, and we can welcome them in. And that will work wonders in the lives of God's people. Because the greatest miracle of all, Jesus' resurrection from the dead, shows us just how far God is willing to go to break every rule for our sake. And the miracle of that isn't just something we wait for on the other side of heaven. In a world full of so many rules, too much fear, and so much sadness, all of which try to convince us otherwise, we are set free from all sorts of bondage, just like the woman in the synagogue this morning. We are set free to live in the miracle that is new life and second chances and amazing grace every day for all people. In Jesus' name, amen.